Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. This is not a podcast. We thought we would have to be recording here at Cracked Rackets. Nevertheless, the whereabouts of Peng Shui is a story that has not only transcended the tennis world, it's transcended national international news as all of us worry about the whereabouts of the former world number one doubles player, former Grand Slam champion on today's show. I wanted to break down all aspects of the story, and I could think of no one better to do it with than our friend, editorial producer at Tennis.com, former WTA employee David Kane, who joins me to talk about the story, discuss what exactly Peng Shui has accused a Chinese government official of, to discuss the WTA's response not only to Peng Shui's accusations, but to the subsequent events that have unfolded since, and of course to discuss the sporting community's response, where we go from here here, what the WTA's relationship with China has looked like in the past and how that will impact the sport moving forward. Again, it's a heavy topic here. This is not one where we get to joke around. This is not one where we get to have fun. We have to talk about the significant implications and, of course, concerns all of us have as we still have yet to hear or see Peng Shui since, these accu- uh, since, since she offered these accusations. Uh, again, it's a serious story, but one I felt we had to discuss as such. I was really uh, thankful that David Kane was willing to be so candid. Come on, take the time to discuss each aspect of the story. Before we get into any of that, I do just want to remind all of you listeners quickly, I know there's a lot else going on right now in the tennis world. We recapped the next-gen ATP finals, recapped the WTA finals over on our mini-break podcast feed. David actually joined me for a second conversation to offer our thoughts on Garbine Muguruza's titles and all of the takeaways from the WTA Tour's final uh, tour-level event of the season. We, of course, also just got our College Contender Series underway. We're counting down our top 10 teams. Teams heading into the 2022 dual match season. You miss any aspect of that breakdown, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. But with all that said, again, talking all aspects of the Peng Shui story with the one and only David Kane. Westoff, roll those credits. Let's get to today's show. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast once again today, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. In fact, 
He's cracked the top five for most appearances on our various podcast platforms. Some people play the sunshine double. Today, he's doing the eyebrow double, as you can hear him on Monday Match Analysis as well, editorial producer for all things Tennis.com, Tennis Channel, our friend David Kane. Kanyev, Dovidai no Providai. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Sasha, привет. I feel like an ex-concert. I've had a very busy fall. I've been, <laughs> I've been really hitting hitting all, all the major media outlets. I'm happy to, to make a stop here at the end of the uh, of the WTA season. I'm trying to think your my hatoma would be like an invite on to, I'm not going to name out a pod, but there's a pod I'm thinking of in my head that would be the equivalent. If you go on there, that's your withdrawal. That's when I know you've played too many matches and you're out of takes. But yes, all of that said, uh, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. And busy times right now. It feels like... You know, again, plenty of tennis. You had the next gen finals, WTA finals, ATP finals, tons of North American challengers all happening simultaneously. That said, 15, 16 months straight of tennis, really dating back to last August, it feels like we've finally hit the off season. How are you holding up from a standpoint, you know, from a fan perspective, just from a burnout perspective, in terms of how much tennis we've experienced? It's been a very weird couple of years, Alex, I'll tell you that. I mean, because I'll say for my part, when I worked at the WTA, lockdown was very much like a regular season for us. In fact, in many ways, we were doing more work because we're trying to make up for the lack of live tennis happening. So I really am looking forward to this offseason. As Annette Kontavite said after, I believe, her semifinal, she feels like she's been on tour for the last three years. (laughs) So I think we're all looking forward to a a well-deserved vacation in the the Maldives. If you're Donna Beckett, she may be somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's I'm very excited for the offseason just so I can get into my next like generation of Sakaris and Conteves and, you know, that group of players who all have broken through over the past 15 months and I just feel like we feel those breakthroughs more tangibly because of how consecutive the play has been, but there are other crumbs, you know, sprinkled in throughout the WTA. You think Samsonovas of the world. You think Jill Teichmans of the world who are all getting ready to make their move. And yeah, December is when you find out how good a podcast planner you are because you have to get creative with your topics. And you're right from March of August to last year, we all had to get creative. It was That's why they don't do a long off season because we run out of topics to talk about. Um, but No, it's busy times, and obviously we'd love to focus on the tennis first, but the storyline that has transcended tennis, and it's very rarely that something from the tennis world will break through in the major outlets, not only on ESPN, but on the CNNs of the world, the New York Times' news section of the paper of the world, and we have that sort of story, unfortunately, emerging right now on the women's side. Uh, and, of course, I am referring to China's Peng Shui, who uh, you know, accused a former top leader in the party of sexual assault and has subsequently not been heard from face-to-face, at least, uh, since making those accusations. And, obviously, it's been a deeply concerning saga, and so many in the tennis world, particularly of late, players and coaches across levels grappling to this storyline just given how horrifying and concerning it certainly is and you know I, I want to set the scene for everyone but David I, I know sometimes I'm burdened by my youth but I just across sports I cannot remember an incident like this the one that pops to mind you know in the NBA a subject near and dear to your heart I know there's Enos Cantor of Turkey who has spoken out openly against the Erdogan government and is a supporter of Fatih Gulan and we're not going to get into Turkish politics now but he's a dissident who is now located in Pennsylvania and you know Enos Cantor's family is in Turkey and he's been told you go back to Turkey 
I hate to make brevity of this, but something like this may happen. And so, you know, for him going through customs has always been an issue in particular traveling to Canada because he's on, I forget the the letters, but the watch list. And so Interpol watch list. And so, you know, technically would he be arrested? Canada says no, but all of these different circumstances and yet we still see Enos Cantor. We have heard from him. He is able to speak openly, fortunately, because he does play here in the United States. Now, again, where Peng Shui had, you know, posted this initial post was from her home in China. And it, I just, I cannot remember anything like this, David. No, I mean, just, I mean, speaking for myself and I think is is illustrated by just how many coaches and players spoken up about this in the last uh, several days serena williams the latest among them i mean Peng Shui has been basically a part of this tennis ecosystem as long as i've been watching tennis i was at louis armstrong stadium in 2006 when she took a set from martina hingis at the u.s open i think it'd be the u.s open youtube account just posted that match because it was a really great one um from a couple of years ago and she's just been a fixture on tour for the last 15 years almost 20 years as a doubles number one two-time major doubles champion mm-hmm has had a ton of successful partnerships, not the least with uh, Shea Sue, Sonia Mirza. It's just been, a, a, and a 2014 US Open semifinalist, just not just any player. Sometimes you see tennis players, quote unquote, make the, the mainstream media news, and it's not really anything that we as tennis people can connect to. But this is something that I think has touched all of us, particularly as we have become more and more aware of the seriousness of the issue. I think it was sort of a reverse um, news cycle in the sense that it initially the coverage didn't seem to be entirely based on anything i mean like we just didn't know was it we were were we equating digital disappearance with physical disappearance she did take down her her social media accounts in the wake of that in the immediate wake of that allegation um being made public but then as many people including wta chairman and ceo steve simon tried to confirm her whereabouts it became things became more and more murky and i think people have become more and more concerned about where she is, how she is, and 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 what will become of Peng Shui. So I certainly hope that things turn out for the best. Um, yeah, it's just a really tough one all around. Yeah, and you mentioned a Grand Slam champion, world number one in doubles, and reached the semifinals of the U.S. Open in singles, and just you know accomplished so much throughout her playing career. You're right, was a staple of 21st century tennis. Um, and yet, to you know, again, to your point, it's what's so concerning and. It, it is the confusion just surrounding everything. And, you know, I believe it was, what, about 10 days ago, maybe a little bit further than that, when her post first started appearing on Tennis Twitter. And, you know, the first link I saw of it was an offbeat Reddit translation of the statement. And, you know, you never trust that as a first source of verification. And you're just kind of waiting to see more to come out about the story. And, you know, again, reading reading the statement, reading the situation for those that are unclear Again, just because I know you wrote the piece on this, and I don't want to get anything incorrect. What exactly, you know, in in her initial message, did Peng Shui say? It would appear that yeah. there was initially a consensual relationship, although given the the vast power dynamic in a relationship like that, we can only yeah. speculate on 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 the the sincerity or the accuracy of that description. But it it seems to be a relationship that was then picked up on behalf of. Um, Vice Premier Jean Galli in 2018, and there was some sort of um, improprieties that took place at that point um, that she was then pushed to share. And I and you speak about 
the Turkish basketball player. I mean, Peng Shui has basically been in China since the start of the pandemic. They've been very strict about letting people come and go from the country. There hasn't been any tennis tournaments in China uh, since the pandemic began. Um, and this is a situation where this is something that has clearly been on her heart and was struggling with and felt the need to share. She didn't have the privilege or the luxury to perhaps find um, a safer haven from which to um, mm -hmm. reveal these um, these these pretty tough uh, pretty tough allegations and heartbreaking allegations to to know um, uh, the, to know Peng Shui uh, personally and as a tennis player it's, it was just so it was heartbreaking to read. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and of course, in this era, uh, in particular, it, it was so encouraging right off the bat to see both the WTA, the ATP. So many people come out and speak in support just of Peng Shui's initial. You know, again, statement, you know, describing the affair she went through, describing the, you know, emotional, physical toll it took on her and just, you know, the initial statement, because there are two statements from Steve Simon that I want to touch on here. But, of course, the initial one, the recent events in, in China concerning a WTA or player, Peng Shui, are of deep concern. We, as an organization dedicated to women, we remain committed to the principles we were founded on, equality, opportunity, and respect. Peng Shui and all women deserve to be heard, not censored. Her accusation about the conduct of a former Chinese leader involving a sexual assault must be treated with the utmost seriousness. In all societies, the behavior she alleges that took place needs to be investigated, not condoned or ignored. We commend Peng Shui for her remarkable courage and strength in coming forward. It's very easy to say those words, uh, of, of course, but, I, you know, I, I do think the action taken by the WTA, and this is where I want to bring in the tennis component, the financial component, is so critical here because, again, to allude to the NBA, which was really the first major sporting league to have a confrontation with China last season, you know, regarding Daryl Morey, his uh, st uh, statements about freeing Hong Kong, and, uh, you know, China punished the NBA for that fact. They punished the Rockets. You could no longer find Rockets games on Chinese state television. The WTA has a lot financially invested in China, or China at least has taken the step to invest in the WTA moving forward. And I suppose the lack of the lack of delay, like there was no hesitation at all for the WTA to come out and immediately speak in favor of Peng Shui. It would have been it would have been very easy to hesitate. It would have been very easy to just wait. You know, we want to hear more facts emerge, whatever it may be. They did not do that. And I do think right off the bat, Steve Simon deserves so much credit for that fact. Absolutely. I think what he was elaborated on in the subsequent New York Times interview with Chris Clary was even more illuminating in terms of the stances that the WTA is willing to take in response to this uh, continued disappearance that it may be very possible that they will cease business dealings with China going forward, which is, yeah, as you said, not a small undertaking. There's anywhere between nine and 11 tournaments in China that have been on the calendar in the last several years. The WTA finals had just debuted um, in Shenzhen, sort of at the height of that um, Hong Kong diplomatic issue <laughs> um, in 2019. Um, but at the same time, there hasn't been any tournaments in China for the last two years. And so the WTA has had to make do without them. And maybe that allows, I mean, if this was all happening while the tournaments the, tour, the WTA finals was unfolding in Shenzhen, maybe there would have been a different response. Um, but yeah, the fact that they're really willing to take that stance. And I think, again, I think this this question of having it both ways, there, there has become this uh, inflection point in terms of how much can the WTA deal with the positives of working with China while also having to suffer the negatives. And when you're starting to encounter issues where 
players are potentially disappearing, you know, that becomes a safety issue for all tennis players who may feel no longer safe to travel or play in a country like that. Can you imagine if the year end finals were happening in China right now as all of this unfolded? I, I, I can't even begin to just, ugh, what a, thankfully they are not, but no, to your point, I think it was, what, a $14 million prize pot, a $15 million prize pot, some sort of record, and Tumani Cario of The Guardian wrote a fantastic piece on this back in 2019. We had him on the show to talk about it at that time, but yeah, again, whether it was then branded various premier mandatories, premier sorts of events, China was beginning to be ready to host those sorts of events. And of course, you can take, uh, you know, draw a line all the way back to the emergence success of Li Na, to the emergence of, you know, tennis in the Asian market in general, and the opportunities for growth for the WTA that were clearly going to be presented here as we move through the 21st century. And now, you have to re-examine all of those relationships. You have to reimagine what you know the back half of the two, the months are going to look like, and it will be fascinating to see if any actions by the WTA will influence China's relationship with the ATP as well, or if they will try to you know, or if there will be any separation between those two entities and how they deal with this. But you know, to your point, the, the, or I suppose to to the second statement, you know, the scariest turn in this entire story happened when the statement was released from Peng Shui and it was from, you know, a Chinese state affiliate media source. And, you know, again, hello, everyone. This is Peng Shui. I think I don't want to read the entire thing, but the scariest line to me, I've just been resting at home and everything is fine. You know, when you're not resting at home is everything is fine is when you release a public statement saying those two things. And it's just, you know, again, the content has not been confirmed or verified by myself, and it was released without my consent. So right away, they're trying to cast doubt on the statement. They're trying to say, this is not a real thing. Don't worry about it. You know what might help verify those sorts of claims? If we hear from Peng Shui directly, if there had not been an immediate whitewashing of all of her social media accounts and just a disappearance from following Peng Shui, following this story as soon as it emerged – that has not been the case and that this is the only communication, you know, I think it's justified. And again, credit to Steve Simon who came out right away and said, if anything, this has raised our concern about Peng Shui. And it, this statement really has set off the response we've seen, you know, Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka. You can go across the board how many players now have spoken openly of concern for Peng Shui's, you know, whereabouts. <laughs> I don't know. Your response to that statement in particular, that to me is just, it took this to a whole nother level. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just raising everyone's concerns that much more. I mean, the longer we go without seeing or hearing from her directly or from getting confirmation from higher sources that we're, you know, that are interested in seeing and hearing from her, that the longer this goes, the more I think concerned everybody gets and, and starts to worry what is really going on, um, right there. Um, in that situation. But I mean, going back to the tournaments in China and how the WTA will respond in terms of a calendar. I mean, I think we've seen the WTA really have to improvise, particularly this year. I think last year they were a bit less prepared to mm-hmm. fill in the gaps. Um, most uh, notably illustrated by the fact that the WTA did not have a finals in 2020 and, and managed to get one put together for 2021. And I think that in and of itself is, a, is an important um, first step, I think, even for the WTA to feel like that they 
can move that they can possibly move forward um, without China. I mean, for for my part, much is made about the concept of China money. Like, what is where is this money actually going beyond prize money? I mean, because yeah. I think if you look preview, you know, skipping ahead to the WT finals a little bit, I think Carbini Muguruza did win, I think, a million and a half dollars for a week's worth. Will she feel worse that she didn't get Ash Barty's $5 million in 2019? Maybe, but I mean, we're still talking about a lot of money. And if this all of this money is just going into prize purses, I mean, as a former WTA employee, it certainly wasn't hitting my paycheck. So I don't really know where this money is being distributed to. I mean, I'm sure there are infrastructure and you know grassroots organizations that perhaps this, this money goes to and supports, but I think in terms of you know, viable alternatives. We're seeing that we saw the viable altern alternative play out this week in Guadalajara. And I think that that perhaps informs the strength with which the WTA is taking this stance. That actually, we don't need to be party to what seems to be a um, a, a pretty scandalous cover up. Yeah. And look, we don't have to get to, into the politics of China, the internment of the Uyghur Muslim population there, and the various human rights violations that occur by the government of China day in, day out. But you, you talk about, I think, it's also undeniable. It's the second biggest market in the world, arguably now the largest economy in the world. And even if it's just financially initially, hey, that's where our investment is going into the prize money of whomever wins the WTA finals. It's about getting the country invested in the sport moving forward, right? Because there are over a billion people in China. And if the Chinese people became interested in following tennis as a top priority the way they do other sports, then the market really opens. And then, you know, again, whether it be sponsorship deals with Chinese-based corporations, et cetera, et cetera, then the floodgates begin to open. Now, you're right. In the initial stages, that did not happen. But let's be clear. It was the initial stages. Those investments started 2017, 2018, 2019 to, uh, from China to seriously make a push into the WTA tour. At least that's my knowledge of the history. You can tell me if I'm wrong here. Um, so I... Again, because the question is now what comes next, right? And beyond Peng Shui, I think the answer to that question is pretty unequivocal. We need to see her, and we need to see her now. It's not just these statements. It's not these hypothetical emails. We need to hear from her. We need to see her. Uh, ideally, we see her in a non-controlled Chinese government environment. Now, the likelihood of that happening is very, very minimal, but... You know, again, that this story has begun to break through the mainstream, that you saw a segment on it from Jake Tapper in primetime at CNN. And when you see all, you know, again, New York Times talking about it in the news section, not just the sporting section, it has started to break through. So my question to you, David, and please comment, by the way, on any on my response to your thoughts, but what does come next? I mean, yeah, but this is a, this is an era. I would say I would trace it back to when Lena won the French Open in 2011, and subsequent, mm -hmm. you know, the move to uh, hosting a tournament in Wuhan and sort of reshaping what had then uh, what had up to that point been an Asian swing into something more of a China swing with Wuhan, mm -hmm. Beijing, Shenzhen. You know, the the downgrade. I know uh, no challenges remaining. Ben Rothenberg and Tumani Karyol discussed the downgrading of Tokyo, which had initially been sort of one of the, the main prestige. Um, highlights of the Asia, then Asian swing, now really more of a China swing. So I, I, it really does feel like a decade in the making. Um, and to, since Lina, there has not been that sort of same response. You know, obviously 10 years, you would just maybe start to see that sort of output now. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. and Lina notably was not a member of the Chinese development system, broke away from that and found her own success. But um, 
I'm sorry, what was your question? <laughs> well, no, the, it's, a, it's a fair point. And, you know, again, to get back to something we talked about either the last oh, time or one yeah. of the past few times I had you on the show, we talked explicitly. Emma Raducanu, what was her strength? She's fluent in Chinese. That was something yeah. we discussed openly about why, moving forward, she has such star potential on the WTA Tour. This is something we've considered. And it's just, what comes next? Is it a, a full cancellation of any events in China, any WTA Tour events there? Is it, again, if we don't see from Peng Shui, who intervenes on her behalf? The WTA, while governing body of tennis, is not... They don't have an army at their disposal, right? There's not some sort of government mechanism they can pull to say this is unacceptable to China. What comes next here? Well, I mean, it's not just see, but the thing is, it's not necessarily just up to the WTA. I mean, we've, as sure. you mentioned, we've seen China make pretty lateral, unilateral decision making in terms of responses to what they deem to be criticism of their their government. I mean, the fact that this has become a major mainstream news story is probably not um, not too much, not because of the fact that the Beijing Olympics is occurring in February. I think that's a, that's a big part. We're talking about you know sports in China, and um, that's certainly driving probably a, a good part of the news and just sort of the um, the audacity of it. I mean, we're dealing with a, you know a top ranked, a formerly top ranked doubles player, a, a single semifinal. You know, this is a, a very much the face of Chinese tennis outside of Li Na, Zheng Jie. So this is pretty egregious that someone like that should disappear. So I don't know what the WTA is really willing to do in terms of their final decision, but I wonder how much the WTA, how much the WTA will be at the mercy now of what China decides. I mean, the, the WTA has offices in Beijing. I mean, this is, this was a pretty much a, a symbiotic relationship to a large degree. So I don't know how both parties will respond in 2022, but I can say that what we have seen is that there has been a WTA tour in 2020 and 2021, and there have not been events in China. So I don't necessarily believe that the WTA is wholly dependent on China um, to to clear their bottom line and to and to be able to give the sort of prize money that these top players certainly deserve. Um, but maybe maybe these sort of 14 million dollar record breaking prize purses may be off the table for the near future. Yeah, and again. What will a player's comfort level be traveling to China to play an event? I don't think it. you can quantify that answer as Many well. Many of whom were already uncomfortable traveling to China for various reasons. I mean, yeah. many, several of which could be just discomfort, you know, being from Europe. Some of them can be slightly xenophobic, dealing with the food and being in a really foreign. I mean, China is probably one of the most foreign places to a lot of these players on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, Beijing, I think, is a bit more metropolitan cosmopolitan and a bit more westernized but you're still dealing with you know a lot of small city smaller cities obviously given mm-hmm. the population in china that have you know it wasn't necessarily the highlight of the season for many of these um these top players fairly or not as i said because there were some really phenomenal tournaments that went on i was in wuhan in 2019 before the pandemic began it was a, a really great facility a well-run event from start to finish and it, it would be a shame to lose these tournaments after all of this infrastructure um has been put into making building up these tournaments to be all that they can be but um yeah it's it's definitely a wait and see in terms of what's going to become of um the calendar in 2022 which is still not out yet as Raleigh Opelka um snootily tweeted last yeah. night no, that's a very good point and again some of the athletes Osaka Serena those are two of Nike's biggest athletes they have both openly spoken out and I do think now we will see every WTA player speak out on this behalf and so you're right the ball is in China's court. No metaphor meant there, but it are, you know, pun not intended. It's just, what will they do? What is their next response? Because clearly 
their first response was to try to shovel and hide and deflect and just say, oh, this statement will totally be justified. And I just – I want to know the conversation, and obviously it's a very different mindset in an authoritative government than someone who was born in the United States and speaks whatever he would like to speak on a podcast. But, like, what was the office in that press conversation? Like, yeah, this this is the statement. Like, this is the one that's going to work. Like, how could anyone think that's acceptable? How could anyone think that was that was going to pass for just legitimate or at all? Just – I just – I can't it, – it's – it's mystical. I just – I can't believe this is actually happening and it's horrifying and again, we need to hear from Peng Shui and we need to see Peng Shui and we are all thinking about her and credit to you know, the tennis Twitter community which has rallied around this as quickly and as, as you know, again forcefully as possible. And so the question is what comes next? But obviously I think you know, for now more than anything, it's just concern for Peng Shui. Right, David? Any final thoughts? No, I mean, this is this has just been a it's it's a real tragedy. You know, you mm-hmm. just don't know what's going to become of her if and when we'll see her again. And again, this was someone who was a fixture on the tour for almost two decades. So I think that is, again, someone who was, you know, a, a, a well and I wouldn't even say someone who was overly popular. This isn't the response of people who just loved Peng Shui so much. It's just someone who knew her as part of this sort of extended WTA family. And I think that's what's probably so heartwarming about it. It's not necessarily being driven out of this sort of like fanaticism. It's just that we, we all know Peng Shui. We all enjoy her. And 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 it's, and it's a shame to not only know that she was apparently suffering in silence, but now to be, you know, dealing with the fallout of being honest um, with, with what she's been discussing. So this is, yeah. It's, we're all we're all staying tuned to see what happens. Mm-hmm. The suffering and silence to being silenced. It's just it's unacceptable. And yeah, I absolutely. This is not a story uh, you know that is finished here. This is a story we will continue to monitor until uh, there is some sort of justify you know some sort of resolution here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed today's conversation with David Kane. A thank you to him for taking the time to chat, particularly about such a sensitive topic. But look, again, this is the storyline in tennis. Until there is some sort of resolution, we are all worried about Peng Shui's whereabouts. And it's worth mentioning Indiana Congressman Jim Banks has officially written to the White House about her disappearance, about inquiring in her safety, her health. Of course, there are Olympics on the horizon in China starting in February how any athlete could feel safe traveling to China after something like this. That is, I mean, how anyone could. It's just a question certainly on the minds of everyone, and but perhaps most importantly, the safety and health of Peng Shui. We need to hear from her. We need to see her. Of course, all of the statements, uh, they're, they're what make the international community things like Twitter. A moment like this is when Twitter is actually palpable and, you know, wor- or I suppose worthwhile. It's palatable, not palpable. Excuse me. It's palatable and just, again, worthwhile because so so many have, you know, uh, have come together in support of Peng Shui, hoping and 
pleading for her safety. So this is not the end of this story. Unfortunately, we will likely be talking about it again at some point just as soon as we have more facts available to us. But again, a lot of other things I know happening in the tennis world. We actually got the chance to chat with David Kane about the WTA Tour Finals. You can hear that, Chad, on the Mini Break podcast feed. I talked next-gen finals earlier in the week, talking ATP finals tomorrow with Gil Gross. All of those podcasts available on the Mini Break podcast feed or on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, college contenders underway. Each component of that preview available on the website, CrackRackets.com. So, of course, as always, I will ask, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break, the Cracked Interviews podcast, our YouTube channel, so you don't miss out on any of our content as we try to ensure that you remain the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business, of course. Why is that possible for me? Because of the work of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f*** of an editing job to do as always. Always and just day in day out gets the job done again it's I get to talk for a living he has to make it all sound good so shout out to him but with all that said for our fantastic guest David Kane super producer Daniel Westoff and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I'm your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we'll see you all next time thanks everyone When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.